this would be the time that people recognize the house of M. I guess that's how you say it. I mean, it makes pure sense that way. Oh well, let's go. What's up everyone? Welcome to episode two. I'm here for episode two of our X of Swords breakdown. Now, this is chapter two, um, two of 22. So I know you guys are ready to go. There won't be 22 episodes because some weeks we have multiple chapters coming out at once. But this week again, just like last week, there was only one um, issue and that was the X Factor number four. Um, so we're going to go down and break down that. I'm not going to go page by page like I did last time. You know, I felt like that was a little much, just a little much. And I feel like this breakdown will be a lot better because, you know, we're just going to go through what we saw, just some pivotal moments, things like that. Pivotal moments. I said pivotal. I don't know what, like, what, what kind of word? So basically, this happens directly after that. So if you remember last time, we, you know, they had the big battle, Summoner betrayed them, Apocalypse got stabbed, um, Richter got shot, um, Rockslide got sliced. Um, I'm guessing Una got free because we do see him in this issue in the background, which is kind of funny because I'm like, um, huh? The art made me think that he was being real, like, suspect. Um, let's break down real quick because I do, every single time I do want to let you guys know, you know, who wrote it and all that stuff, who did the art. Um, Leo Williams was the writer. The artist was Carlos Gomez and the color artist was Israel um, Silva. Um, Joe Caramagna, Caramagna. Who I actually met. He's actually really, really good. Really awesome. I follow him on Twitter. I follow him on Instagram. You guys should check him out. He's really nice. He always posts things about like donuts and things, which is awesome because it makes me hungry. But on top of that, it's like, wow, donuts. But he actually did the lettering. Um, so I'm super excited. I mean, I can't believe this. I'm actually reading that. And of course, you know, you have your cover artist who is Ivan Chavrin. Um, and you also have variant cover artists. So if you're looking for variants, um, Alex Ross. Awesome. Jesus Arbatov and R.B. Silva, they actually did variant um, colors. And I don't want to forget the design was done by Tom Muller. So let's get into it. The issue, um, the opening that comes through, it says a demon horde from an evil earth with Apocalypse's original horsemen at the fore have their sights on destruction of Krakoa. But to reach it, you must cross through Otherworld, the seat of power for Opal Luna Saturn 9. When the X-Men arrived to fight, she stopped the combat to negotiate a tournament between the champions of Krakoa and their foes from Morocco. Winner takes Krakoa. Now the only clue to the nature of the tournament is hidden in Polaris's mind, and the X-Men retreating from the battle in Otherworld are reeling. Are reeling. This issue of X-Factor actually come, um, has Siren, Richter, Apocalypse, Rachel Summers, Rockslide, Polaris, Monet, who you know from Generation X, because I know many people might not know her, Saturn 9, Charles Xavier, Hope, Tempest, Egg, Proteus, Elixir, Magneto, and Emma Frost. Um, what I guess I should let you know, because some people may just be jumping into this, they may not be getting into X-Factor. X-Factor is actually the book that tells of the organization that kind of figures out and makes sure that you're dead and, like, your body is dead before they bring you back. Um, the five who are Hope, Tempest, Egg, Proteus, and Elixir, they're the five that are part of the process of bringing people back to life. Um, so you have Egg, who has, you know, the actual part. Then we put the material inside for the um, cloning process. Then you have Proteus, who adds energy of Elixir, who makes sure that everything kind of works properly everything is healed you know everything is exactly right so you don't come out like messed up 
You have Hope, who copy, who brings everyone together, kind of chaining it all into one. And Tempest, who kind of does our, a time dilation to, you know, speed up the process. So we're not waiting years and years and years for a clone. You get a clone in, like, a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of days or something like that. So that's what we're looking at as far as the clone process. So that's something that's going on with the five. So that's kind of a little explanation of the five so that you know that's pretty much what they are, what they've been created for by Hickman and, you know, each one of them having their own position in their own place. So let's get into the story of what happened in X-Factor chapter two of 22 chapters. But, you know, again, they're already happening in issues that, you know, you probably read. So like Hellions, X-Factor, X-Force, X-Men, um, and all of those. So when we come in, like I said, it's directly right after the battle. So you have Siren coming in, Banshee's daughter, you have Apocalypse, um, pieces of Rockside. You have Richter, who's been infected, <clears throat> coming in. You have Polaris, you have Havoc, you have kind of everybody coming in. Rachel kind of grabs Apocalypse and Richter. She comes in with them, creating, you know, just making sure that they can get settled in. So basically everyone goes to the healing process. The first thing that we get and that I gather is we have Rockside who's coming into pieces um and he's the first one they know is dead so they pretty much go in and they're like we need to get him to the resurrection chamber we need to go forth so he reads it's like anybody else is damaged anybody else is hurt basically because of the way and everybody knows if you've read any of the x-men books you know that pestilence normally has the ability to create some kind of infection or some kind of diseases or some the mutant ability is something that involves being infected of some sort so in this, he can, you know, Richter's been shot with an arrow by Pestilence, the horseman. So we can't really get into getting him healthy. So it's pretty much making him comfortable. You know, pretty much, you guys know, because the situation that we're in or any other diseases where you don't have anything that can really help, you have to help the immune system fight it. Sort of the same thing where Richter's basically like, you know, we have to pretty much make him comfortable. Um, Apocalypse being, which is, again, the the... the way that he's being written, I don't know if we're going to find out how or anything like that. Because I told you the last issue, I had an issue with the fact that Apocalypse was very, like, crying and very much in his heart about things. Where he's very much been written as strong as survive. Right now, he's very much like, you know, get Richter to the chamber. Get Richter brought back up. Help him. Don't worry about me. You know, I'm sturdy. I'm strong. You know, help Richter. And he's putting his hand out. Richter's like, what's going on with Apocalypse? And I'm like, is this your new bae? Like, and I know it's been weird because, you know, throughout the personification of Excalibur, um, if you don't read it, you know, he's been literally getting back to his abilities. His powers were getting out of control. If he even touched the earth, it would tremble. So pretty much he was keeping himself. For, while everybody was going to Krakoa, which is the other island, he was pretty much not really settling on the ground. He was like in beds or he was pretty much making sure that he wasn't touching the ground. They've gotten a hold over that. He's connected to the Druids. So his power set has been changing gradually. So I don't know if it's the connection that he's had with the earth and all that that's getting together with Apocalypse because then he helped Apocalypse create the external gate. So it's been one of those weird things where I'm like, okay, is there something going on with him and Apocalypse? I don't know. So, you know, they get um, everything over to, you know, the, the where the healing gardens, they're called the healing gardens, and they get rock slat there and all of this. One thing that you do want to know is that there's... Um, so, you know, other in other worlds, Saturnine is watching all this. Mind you, and I know this is, and I want to talk about this because I know a lot of people are getting on this. Saturnine, I feel like she needs a little bit more personification about 
how you can differ her from our girl Emma. Because literally, Emma and Saturday Night look exactly like they're both wearing white, both blonde hair, blue eyes. And I'm not saying women look alike. Women do not. But this is the same issue I have with like M and a couple of Monet and a couple of other people is that they, M, Saturday Night, Emma, a couple people, Jean Grey, a couple others, because they don't have those features that make them look different. Like, when you look at Storm, you know she's different than a black woman because she at least has white hair. She's beautiful. Because all the women, you know, they're beautiful. There's other black women that are in Marvel. You know, you have um, you have Spectrum. You have the last Captain Marvel. You have um, Monica Rambeau. But they all look different. You can see when you see Misty. Did I say Spectrum and I say Monica Rambeau? I think they're pretty much the same person, aren't they? Um, but you have Misty. You have them, you know, features that would make you look and just say, okay, that's them. But when you sit side by side and you say you sit M side by side any other black character that's standing there, you really don't notice her if she's in like if they introduce another black girl with long black hair or long, you know, blue hair, something like that, this really is not you can't really pull apart and she stands beside M. Besides the uniform, you couldn't tell any different. If she was like in a t shirt and jeans, couldn't tell any different. And same thing I have problem with Saturday. When you see her walking, I was talking with a friend of mine because we always talk about comic books um, throughout the week and we'll, I'll read them first and he'll be like, oh, what's the what's the list? You know, what we go through and how's the read order and things like that. And I'll send him the read order and we'll discuss it and we'll talk about everything. And the funny part is, is that we'll end up in a session where we're like, we have to figure out where we are because if it doesn't say other world, you don't know who the woman is because she literally looks like Emma Frost. She has the same walk. She has the same uppity attitude. I'm not saying, I guess you could say uppity attitude. She has this very above them, very work through, very I'm the queen of it all because she is the queen of the universe. So you're kind of like, they need a way to kind of figure out how to differentiate because they even have the same eye color, everything. She literally looks like Emma Frost. And I know who she is. She's been around. I know who she is. Everybody else knows who she is. We all know who she is. But it gets confusing when the art comes in and there's nothing to really differentiate between her and Emma. So it's, I guess this issue is kind of good because they're not both in the issue for a long time. So you can kind of differentiate, but it's very difficult at times. So again, we're going through the issue. They go to the healing gardens. And um, the first thing we do get is that Saturday says we're closing the damn gate. So she closed the external gate for this moment just to pretty much, she's like, we're going to temporarily close it down. Um, just shut it down for further notice. So she closes it. Um... This back feed, which is something I like because a lot of times you'll end up in situations like if you read Onslaught, the Onslaught event, or if you read like anything with the Shadow King, um, or the last Uncanny X-Men, I believe it was, where Xavier came back um, through the astral plane, psychics normally get a back, it's like a psychic, it's called a psychic backlash, where the psychics will feel what happens. So like with Emma Frost with the Onslaught thing. You have the thing where, um, some like she was being slightly influenced by Onslaught because to keep her kids away from certain things because she knew in the back of her mind something was going on psychically. Um, literally, when she shuts when Saturnine closes the external gates, this back feed hits the earth like magnetic sphere and it sends a back feed to Polaris. So Polaris is like screaming and hollering and she kind of falls out and she realizes that like something like that's been cut off. Krakoa gets angry and they're like, look, look, you didn't want to close the gate, but they ain't had nothing to do with us. We were staying at your island. We did what you wanted us to do. We didn't close it. 
That was all Saturday night. So if you want to holler at a chick, holler at her. Okay? Call her. Don't call us. We'll call you. You call her. So they, so Doug lets him know that that's what's happening. Um, one thing I do want to say is that Jonathan Hickman, um, or I don't want to say Jonathan Hickman, because again, he Hickman is writing it, but I want to say that the writer, um, Leah Williams, who I actually like, because I actually like X Factor the way it's going, I actually like the way she's doing things, she actually gives us a rundown of a floating kingdom of Roma Regina, um, which is done by Lady Roma, which I'm, I want to do like a thing on the king, on the characters that we know, but what we want to direct down is that Roma's the daughter of Merlin. Um, she was her and Rome, um, her, Rome, uh, Roma, uh, sorry, Roma and Merlin helped pretty much, they were above Saturnine for a time, so they prop they, you know, other world, they can, looked over it, they made sure that the Captain Britain Corps was doing what they needed to do, things like that, some things happened in the X-Men world, she helped actually, um, formulate and keep in line with, like, Joseph and a bunch of stuff, I remember, um, I may be wrong, but that was back in the late 90s. We had her, I believe she made like a clone of, of Magneto. It was named Joseph. Um, I believe she was involved with that. But they come in and they do a bunch of stuff. Um, but she's been missing. Merlin's been missing and she's been missing. What we did see is that Merlin will be um, connected with another kingdom, which is on the opposite end, which I'm really curious about. And, and I think that's what this kind of does, because you'll know, we, I'll talk about it more at the end when we talk about the swords and the sword bears. But I'm curious how the four, because there's eight kingdoms. I think there's eight, no, there's ten. There's ten kingdoms. And there's five on a good side, five on the bad side. And I'm like, so Roma's on the good side. We know that. She's on the positive side. You know, we think that she'll be fighting with the X-Men because we already know that one place is taken down. It's now on the bad side. Um, and that was the side of the Druids. But what I'm curious about is why he chose... And we know, if you read X-Men books or you read any of the magical books, Merlin has not been the greatest person to be enacting with. So seeing him go forth and do everything and then seeing him with his daughter, I'm kind of like, hmm... Hmm, maybe he's going to be doing something on the bad side. But Roma's pretty much been doing some pretty big stuff. Um, but yeah, so so Leo Williams actually gives us a breakdown of the Roma Reg Roma Regina, which is the land that she's gonna be a part of. It's a floating I a floating land, it says. So I'm guessing it's either above water or above air, along with um Saturnine's um Starlight Citadel. So I'm excited about that, giving a way to break that down. Cause a lot of times you don't remember. You know, I don't recall everything. Cause if you see, there's certain parts of it I just don't recall. I do know Lady Roma, and I do know Merlin from that standpoint. So we go through. Um, the one thing I think is cute too, and this is a little sad thing because, like we said, there's level of psychics in the world of the X Men. Um, you get like Jean Grey, you get Emma Frost, you get Xavier, but there's other psychics on the X-Men team and that are also going around with them. So you have like Rachel Summers, you have Cable, you have Monet, you have Psylocke. And I feel like, and I've always felt like, okay, you always rely on them, but the other psychics that are around, you seem to be doing this whole thing where like, I guess there's like a hierarchy of ones that you trust. So it's funny because Monet is sitting there and we go back to her and it's like a later poem and she comes in and she's like, um... And she literally says, Rachel, you're not going to find your way past anything I couldn't. And that's what Monet says. And Rachel's like, I'll try. Like, uh, maybe you weren't looking hard enough. So Rachel goes in, Saturn 9 pops up, blows her away, pretty much kicks her out of 
um, Polaris's mind. And Monet lets her know, that's the same thing I saw, girl. There was no reason for you to go do all that. You get a repeat viewing every single time. It's the same playback every single time. It's not going to be no different. So Rachel's like, oh, you know, well, you know, well, I'm so sorry. And Polaris is like, I don't get it. She keep playing this crap in my head. I don't know what she did in my head because I don't even remember what's going on. So that plays into last issue. That plays into the first chapter, um, X of Swords, where X, Ten of Swords. I don't know why I keep saying X of Swords. Ten of Swords, where Polaris took the card and named all ten swords. She pretty much doesn't remember all of it. So a lot of the information was given to her. And Saturnine says, even when you go back to her, that there were, that certain things won't play out the same way. She won't remember everything. She won't see everything. Everything won't respond the certain way. So through that process, we go back and forth to the healing gardens. They um, go through that with Apocalypse and everything. Eventually, Richter dies. Um... And Apocalypse, before that, Apocalypse, like, lashes out at one of the healers and all that. They have to sedate him because he's literally, like, throwing, like, a boyfriend bitch fit. He's, like, say, he's, like, forget me. Say, Richter. It's, like, bruh. He's going to die anyways. You're probably not. Can you check yourself real quick? You know how Pestilence works. You yourself have made horsemen, and you know how thorough they are at their job. They don't play no games. So why are we doing all this? Calm down. It's not that serious. Calm down. Apparently, you you created this whole gate because you said mutants can live forever now. We ain't got to worry about all this. And now you doing all this. Like, either you don't believe in the system that you have created, which we already know, because you done did all this sideline stuff, but, we, but we, we've already discussed that somewhere else. But you done already made gates that nobody asked for. You done walked us into a war we didn't ask for. Most of this is your fault. So Apocalypse, you know what? Sabretooth is underneath Krako. Apocalypse can go right next to him. Right next to him and Moira. Those three, we could just make a whole prison lineup. I'm just waiting for Mystique to burn this whole place down. But we're going to get on that at, like probably after this. Because I have a feeling Mystique is still doing some stuff. And I wouldn't mind if she shot up a couple people during this. But we'll leave that alone. Because I got onto a tangent. But it's just irking my nerves. So he goes through that whole thing. They sedate him. They put him down. A couple of people put him down. Um, his mind. Rachel tries to give him, like, tries to sedate him in a good way, but she actually sedates him by, by him seeing the horseman. So I don't know what the hell is going on with people's powers. Things are getting crazy. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, we do also get, an Leah also gives us another little sideline thing about talking about the, um, the Holy Republic of Fae, which is, I'm, again, Camelot, so I'm guessing the Fae Kingdom, which... I could explain to you all day Camelot and the Fae's and the Druids and Dryads and all that stuff. But that's a lot. And pretty much there are better people online who can do that for you. You can look up on YouTube, you know, mythology. mythology. You can look Camelot. You can look up, like I said, Monstrum on my other, podca well, my other podcast. There's a bunch of ways to actually look up Arthurian myths and things like that. So those kind of relate to that. That's why his name is Merlin and Roman, things like that. But it does break down um, just a little bit of the kingdoms and things like that. So Polaris, I do want to say Polaris walks into the main room to the, um, Arbor, it's called the Arbor Magnum Hatchery, which we've been calling it the Hatchery. I didn't realize it had a name till now, but it does. 
Um, and she talks to Xavier and she lets him know, you know, hey, are the people being brought back? What is the resurrection queue protocol for casualties of war? Um, and they say pretty much there's been no, there's actually been no protocols for this, which is odd because the X-Men go into a lot of different battles. And I guess because, and let's talk about this for just a second. The X-Men have been really flagrant with their lives. Like since they were given the ability to like, die and then have their minds put or their memories or whatever or their backup files put into new bodies they've been running around getting themselves killed because if you remember back in the day you didn't have a problem and i feel like this is what storm has been talking about in her giant size if we get to that her giant size is she literally did not want to die she was like look i want to save myself i want to get rid of this infection i don't want to die you know life means more to me than that da -da -da -da. And even Saturnine talks about it last issue in the chapter one of the Ten of Swords, where she says, if you get rid of, you know, the possibility of death and you get rid of that option, something else has to come from it. The X-Men have been really flagrant with it. Like in the last couple of times, I mean, I don't want to, you know, we all know Jean Grey dies a lot, but she's died like twice. Um, Quentin Quire has talked about the fact that he's kind of over dying because he keeps doing, I mean, he's been cut in half. He's been destroyed. He's been singed. He's been shot up. Um, Domino has died. So many people have died and come back. Kitty Pride died and she's had clones come back numerous times. So it's kind of funny. So I like the fact that she's like, what's the protocol? Because you tell it, Xavier says that there's no protocol. How's there no protocol when you keep dying? Like X-Men are dying on a regular basis at this point. Like nobody is thinking about that. And I like the way that they're, they're kind of addressing it being like, Okay, y'all are going out there acting like you don't have force fields. You don't have people who can jump in. You don't have all this stuff. And so you keep dying because y'all aren't doing it. But yet there's no protocol. Like, we need to figure out if there's, like, a chain of command. Like, if somebody dies during casualty of war and they need to go back out there, are you going to bring them? Are they going to jump in the head of a line? Like, how is this going to go? And... They go in and she, um, and Xavier, I guess, was attached. And that's what got me too. He was attached to people, so he saw that it was a trap. So he saw the whole, so he literally goes to the mind of, you know, everyone that was on the mission. Unis, Polaris, Havoc, all of them puts it together that it was a trap. And he's like, oh my God, it was a trap. How did you not know it was a trap? I do not know. That's another thing. I don't know how they, it's like the X-Men are slipping. It's like when, when Krakoa popped up, y'all just lost all your marbles. Like, they don't know how any of this happens they don't care about people dying they just you know they have villains moving in which you know people are like oh there's no more villains there's villains okay because when you have mystique in x-men issue number i think six it was where they revealed that she knew that there was a nimrod there which again is the future coming up that we saw in house of 10 and and powers of 10 and house of house of x that we saw that she's, that, you know, the future show that, that Nimrod was going to keep going. She saw a Nimrod and she kept it moving because she was like, yo, my wife ain't coming back and you got everybody else in their mama returning except for the one person that can tell us exact, like the, she literally had books of the future, which they were fighting over. So they knew she was as exact as most psychics can be. And you don't bring her back just because you don't want her to see that y'all fucking around. And, and she would, she would be like, uh-uh, more in on this. And I told her, don't do this. So, no, nah, so, no, and I'm not against Mystique for that, but I'm telling you, she know. let's be for real with you, no, it's not happening, like, there's bad guys on this thing, you, 
please. All of them, they would sail it up to the river. You have Gorgon, you have Ex Exodus, you have Magneto, you have Apocalypse, you have Sinister, you have Selene, you have, now you have Omega Red. I mean, you have some of the worst of the worst sitting on that island. You have the Mutant Liberation Front, you have the Nasty Boys. You have, I mean, I could keep going. Like, and if y'all think I'm playing, look in Google and look up some of these people. Like, you're taking the big wigs like Mystique and Sinister and Exodus and Apocalypse, but like the like the Nasty Boys, the Mutant Liberation Front, they're nothing to play with. Like, they were big bads for like X-Force and you got big bads for like X-Factor and stuff. So we're not talking about little people. So no, yes, Xavier, there was a traitor there. Y'all went out there and now you have a problem and a bunch of dead people come back and it's kind of your fault, but we're not going to discuss that. So we go through, they call the five. Um, the five say, well, you know, it's what are we going to do? Wait, this never happened before. They don't have any president. They have to create a president. So they're going through to create the new bodies. So they do go through to create new bodies um, and they bring Richter back. They put him back and they say, hey, you look well. And he says, hey, I'm naked. What the, what the freak is going on? How did I die? And they talk about how Polaris witnessed it and everything like that. Rockside is also one of the ones that come out. I want to really get into him, but I'll get into him in just a little bit. Because when he comes back, he comes back in his rock body and he's energy based. So I want you to remember when we talk about the basics of this issue, we talk about logistics and stuff like that. He was energy based. So we go through, comes back, Xavier has a huge feedback. The eggs bust. Literally every egg in the hatchery he's destroyed. The feedback comes through. The body's all wrong. Hope and all them pass out. Polaris is sitting there. All the backups kind of, I don't say they, they don't get destroyed or anything, but they restart. So people like restart a computer where everything is still saved and everything, but it's like everything is literally somebody like tech support is sitting like everything is on hold. We're just restarting. Everything is rebooting. Um, nothing can be done right now. So they say they're down for a little while because you know, everything's rebooting. So they're down for the moment. And when you're looking at it, basically, Mora's one has gone down, the Point has gone down, the House of M has gone down, and the Summer House, that's four. Um, I want to say the Point is on Mars. Because I want to say I thought one was on Mars, but I, I might be wrong. So you take the helmet off. We notice that something's going on with um, the... with Polaris noticed something that's going on with Rockside's body. They notice that something's up with him. So the rest of the issue is us pretty much going through and she's pretty much apologetic. She's freaking out. He died. He falls apart. You know, she knows that he's gone. Something's not right. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to figure out everything. Um, they go through. Elixir uses his abilities to kind of try to heal the eggs, which he kind of does. So they go through and they pretty much reproof. So they go through. Um, just a quick summary. They go through. They put everything back together. Everybody comes back. Um, they check on everything. They check Richter to make sure he didn't come back wrong because they know that Rick, that Rockside came back wrong. Some things come up. Um, they also, you know, sit down and they do, you know, some logistics and they sit down and create something that's created for Rockslide. Um, so they talk about, you know, what happened with Rockslide with everything that happened as far as everything going down. They go, they bring the council together. The council break down and they talk about how it died in Otherworld. And so pretty much either... Otherworld has caused this issue where they can't bring it back, which I don't think so. We'll talk about that. Um, so they think either the barrier between Otherworld has caused an issue between bringing people back or something's up. So they don't know, but they think that that's the most reliant 
thing that's occurred is that because he died in other world, he can't be brought back here, and that Richter was you know brought back on on Earth. So you know though that's the most likely thing. So they pretty much go through and they say pretty much he's died. Um, Mystique's like, who is this dude? You know, nobody recognizes him. Um, Emma talks about the fact that Emma's biggest issue, and I like the way that they hint at that. Um, and cause basically she goes through and she goes through and they have a conversation and she says two things. The first thing she says is then we have lost Rock's life forever. And this through his terrible sacrifice, we gain a bleak understanding of our catastrophic failures. The next thing she says, and I want to bring this up to you because if you've read it for a while, I'm not even break it down for people who haven't read it, who haven't read that arc before. But when she goes through and she says that is, that is still death. This is permanent death. We're discussing creating a new person does not overturn the loss of one of our own people. The apathy sickens me, Charles. Santo was one of our young. How can we all behave so cavalry? He's dead. Rockslide is dead. And he goes, um, Miss Frost, please remain calm. She says, no, we must call off this reckless tournament at once. We'd be barbaric to willfully risk the lives of willfully, willfully risk the lives of even Mokra Cohen's. And he talks about all that and goes over this. Now, what I want you to remind you is that when Emma Frost first came out, and everybody knows this, we say this all the time, she started off part of the Hellfire Club. She created a school. Before she had Generation X, she had a school of the Hellions. The Hellions were sort of like the opposite school. So, like, if you have a school and then another school battles the school, that was what she had. Xavier had the New Mutants. She had the Hellions. Her Hellions were actually taken and slaughtered and killed. She was almost killed. She switched bodies, things like that. But ever since then... She's truly, ever since then, she's, she's tried to teach new classes. She's gone to Genosha. She's tried to teach class, and all of them basically died thanks to um, Cassandra Nova. She taught, and before that, in between that, she had Generation X, and she tried to make sure that they were safe. Like I said, she, she got a hint in her mind of, like, onslaught coming into her mind, and so she basically tried to save them by, you know, kidnapping them and taking them away. So in her mind, she's always been the type where, Children have been her main focus. For her, it's not about making them soldiers. It's about making them stronger so that the world itself will not kill them or destroy them. She's lost a lot of students. So when Leah Williams said this, I immediately went to, oh my God, that's Emma who cares for children's students. Over everybody in that class, and I feel like she's better than Xavier with this, she refuses to lose one life that is a student. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter whether she likes them. There's an issue that it still it still sits on me. There's an um, issue of the X-Men, um, the younger team, that comes along and it has a Null, Rock Slide, X-23, and all that on it. She does not like X-23. She's like, she's a killer. But like a whole set of issues, she literally is like, I don't want her here. But there's a woman who's coming after her, coming after X-23, you know, trying to kill her, destroy her. And the woman literally has her mind invaded. Emma locks her in her own mind. And she says, no matter how I feel about this young woman here, she is a young mutant. She is at Xavier's and you will not do that to her. So regardless of how she feels, she knows I'm a teacher. And the first thing I have in line is to make sure that a young mutant is safe. So the fact that Leah Williams, and I'm going to say it to you again, the fact that Leah Williams says to her that she is not going to flagrantly do this whole thing. She's not going to do this where she has mutants running out there being attacked and being killed. 
Emma literally says, let me find where she says that. Because you need to, I feel like you need to hear it again. You need to hear it again. Because Emma don't play. When Emma says, this is still death. This is a permanent death. And she literally puts out, your apathy sickens me, Charles. Santa was one of our young. She does not care whether they can die and come back. She cares about the fact that you now have a war a war starting with X-Men and they do not sign up for this. Because remember, Emma doesn't throw kids out to the wolves. She trains them, yes, and she trains them hard to ensure that they will be the best that they can be. They can protect themselves regardless of anything else. So I love that hint there. I love that hint. Um, now Magneto goes through. He asks Polaris about it. They talk to Polaris about it. And Polaris literally says... Um, they're literally like, what's going on? Do you have anything? Um, and they say, have you deciphered any clues? And they talk to her and they ask her, you know, can she decipher anything? And so she literally taps it, taps into the magnetic, you know, the rocks and everything. And she gives this long speech. Um, and it's hard and it starts as, as above, so below. And she goes through and talks about how there are all these things and it's a riddle and it talks about swords and stone. Um, and what's fun is that she actually gives us more clues as to who will be the sword bearers. Because she goes through and she says, um, from one womb came two, a hero destined to brandish what the earth hath swallowed and an echo doomed to yearn for what the stars hath forsworn. Lost soul and edge garned, a lone wanderer returns to forge left ablaze. Sword in the stone, stationed in space, a young man born old, pilots a place a father forsaken a husband betrayed an ancient treasure sharpens the death his child craves friend self friends lost out of one comes many into comes one eight years gone in seconds from childhood loss comes a woman grown her only friends were weapons near her soul a blade here break a blade hers alone once goddess once queen one sword with which to split the sky in twain. Vibranium inlaid, a tempest contained. She is a wrath of heavens wielding a legacy. Ego, ego death, and broken stone. Two, two wars waged by one champion. And if you go through, we can actually, and we'll go back up to that in a second. But that literally kind of foretells who the sword bearers will be. Each one of them. Um, Lorna's freaked out. She's like, she can't believe it. Like, it kind of, it, it's still hitting her. And you know, um, the thing I like about Polaris is you don't know what Polaris is bipolar. Um, and that's basically because her magnetic abilities, unlike her father, have, are make, a, and kind of it set off a chemical imbalance in her brain. Um, and I wish they would focus on that a little bit more because I feel like her and her mental health and the way she stands up for herself, because you see how so times, how many times she's still strong. That's not a hindrance. And I feel like mental health in the X-Men books doesn't get addressed as much because you have so many. I mean, you have, I mean, even to like Jean Grey, her coming back and everything, um, that has to weigh on you. Um, you have, you know, um, Storm is a strong, very strong goddess, queen, black woman, but she has an issue with claustrophobia. You have Magneto's daughter, Polaris, who has been shown in many cases in the future She's going to be immensely powerful. She even is now. Um, the fact that there's things that she can do. Even the fact that Saturnine entranced through her magnetic ability and the magnetic poles, these different prophecies and these different memories, these ways of doing it so that 
even telepaths can't really see it. The fact that she can do these things and you see these various things, you she has this she has this issue just this mental health issue and i feel like it shouldn't be something that's scared of it should be something that's addressed and the fact that i feel like um they should i feel like that should be addressed and i feel like with the x-men it should be addressed so they're going through they're talking to the council she talks about how they're permanently gone she apologizes to him um and then she finally brings krakoa together players and she uses the rocks and everything, and she recreates everything. She adds the energy, the last of whatever mythological abilities, whatever is attached to that stone, and creates what she calls, um, she calls it the, let's look, the Sanctus Sancrum. And the Sanctus Sancrum is where once the, once the bearers of the sword are, once the bearers of the swords are found, they put the swords in, and then that signifies that they've been chosen. Once all 10 are chosen, I'm guessing it'll open up. It'll open the pathway up to Otherworld. Give a guess who the first bad bitch who walks up is. First of all, if there's anybody on this island who's carrying a sword who you need to know, the first one walked up was our girl, Dark Child, a.k.a. The Mistress of Limbo, a.k.a. The one and only Ilyana Rasputin. She walks up with the soul source. She says, and this get and this is how you and this is what I like. She walks up full garb, full black, with her sword out. She says, Well, damn, let's get ready to show these Akron our finest Krakoan diplomacy and pound the war drums. She puts her sword down, her section lights up, and you see everything. Now let's go to a couple things. I want to go through a couple things um just really quickly. One I want to talk about energy-based people because we have a couple of mutants who their bodies are gone and they're energy-based. I don't know if I agree so much with it being because of Otherworld because when you clone a body, one, you need genetic material. We know that the material that like Rockslide, Proteus, and a few others use isn't exactly genetic material. It is um, like with Proteus, he uses, he uses bodies and kind of burns them out, goes back through them. There really isn't a solidified genetic material for him. Even when he was gone, he was dispersed within the minds of people around the world. So when they brought all those little bits and pieces together, recombinated them together, and you get him, you get Proteus. So with Rockslide, we saw that when he was playing this game back in the X-Men issues, he was an energy-based being. So I find it, and I feel like they need to explain that, where energy-based beings, are you bringing them back when they're young and then you're going to age that cloned body? Like, are you taking their cloning, are you taking their genetics back from when they were young and then bringing them in? Like, how are you recreating an energy-based being? And how are they dying? Because if you kill an energy-based being, they're more than likely dead. I don't think you can bring back an energy-based being. And that's what I need them to do because I also had an issue with the externals because the externals are supposed to be immortal. They're supposed to be unkillable unless another immortal kills them. The fact that you have these different, you know, these different horsemen that are going around and they, they're killing Apocalypse because they even say to Apocalypse, you know, you know, we're going to make you wait because of the rules that you broke. You're going to die. We'll bring you back. But, you know, you'll have presidents for a certain amount of time. But we're not going to do, you know, you first or whatever. He shouldn't be able to die. 
Apocalypse has been either deemed as an external or he's been deemed as the second oldest mutant because, again, Selene's the oldest. Hopefully they address that at some point, that she's a lot older than him, but okay. So I'm curious how that works because energy-based beings, they don't have a body. They're taking, you know, Rockslide takes the, the earth from wherever he is and creates it. So either he's alive somewhere else or he's dead permanently or something like that. I don't understand that. I'm also pissed that Rockslide is dead, but we're not going there because he's one of my, like, four or five younger mutants that was introduced back with him that I feel like he, one, he needed more than this. I feel like that's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen, but I'm going to leave it alone till now. The other thing I want to get onto, and we talked about that in a second, is we're going to talk about um, Polaris's the what she talks about as far as the um, swords and the sword bearers. Because this time she talks about the sword bearers, and they do it in kind of a convoluted, like a, not a convoluted, but a a very subversive way. Because they give you it as like a prophet, they give it to you in like a prophecy. And everything, but they don't like sit down with you and say, hey, this is how I'm going to do. This is what's going on. So we go line by line. We talk about a lost soul and edged gained. I feel like that one was the first one was limbo was we're talking about Yana because Yana, when she was young, she was taken from her home. Um, she was part of, you know, she came to the X-Men, she visited them, but she was stolen from her home. She was taken to limbo by Belasco. She was trained in magics and everything. He tried to take her soul. She took her soul. She took a part of her soul and created the soul sword. So what you're saying is that was a lost soul. And she gained an edge by using her soul to create a soul. And so now she has the soul to have a to create a sword. So now she has a soul sword. So that's part of that. We have a lone wanderer returns to a forge left blazed. I'm thinking that's Wolverine. Because Wolverine is actually connected to two Muramasa blades. There's one that he gave to Cyclops. There was another one that became the, um, I researched it, it became the, it came like swords for his, his son, he got bonded to his son's claws. Also blades for like the children, the orphans of X, um, which are his, which were the people trying to kill the different, you know, Wolverine, Wolverines. I don't know how you say it, like the kids of Wolverine, the children of Wolverine, or like, like X-23 and all of them, trying to kill them. So I'm guessing that's him because remember, he's old. He did wander for a long time. For like a hundred years or so, he wandered, went to different places, went to place to place, lost his memory, gained his memory, lost his memory. He joined the Weapon of X program, gained metal over his claws. He joined the X-Men. He had joined Alpha Flight. He joined the Avengers. He's pretty much been wandering through things. Um, You see a sword and stone. I feel like that's the sword of might. Now, we don't have that because the amulet Betsy has, the sword of might, I researched and I remembered the issue because the sword of might was something that Brian Braddock had grabbed onto and it went under the ground. So I'm thinking the sword of might, I'm thinking that I'm thinking Betsy won't be, she'll be involved in this fight, but not as a huge point. I feel like one of the sword bearers of Krakoa will be Brian and he will hold the sword of might. And I feel like Saturnine knows this because she hasn't. She could have easily stepped up because the the uh, Captain Brain Court's underneath her. So she could have easily stepped up, snatched the power from Betsy, and given it to him. She didn't do that, and I feel like she knew. Stationed in space, a young man born old pilots the place. I feel like that's Cable. Cable has his sword. Um, I think it's like the Starlight Sword. It's not the Starlight Sword. It's like the Space Sword. It's the Rom Sword. But remember, when he came to them... He, came, he was a young man. 
But when they first met him, he was cable, old cable that we all grew accustomed to. And now he's, you know, there, he was, um, and, you know, pretty much he was, you know, going through all that. He was stuck in there. He's, he's, you know, he's a time traveler. So whenever you meet him, you can meet him at a different point in time. So I feel like that's speaking to him. Um, a father forsaken, a husband betrayed. I feel like that's Apocalypse and the Scarab. Um, and I'm guessing we'll find the Scarab at some point because he is on the cover showing himself with a sword. So I'm thinking that Scarab. Don't know. I can't really give you too much on that. But I feel like that's him. Um, an ancient treasure sharpens the death his children crave. Um, I feel like somewhere in here, and, and again, I could be wrong, but I feel like one of those is the God Killer and one of them is the Grass Cutter. Now, we do know, I think that those have been destroyed when they clash with each other, but we do remember that at least, if they are still around, we do remember that Gorgon is on Krakoa and he is the Grass Cutter, which can kill a god. And then we have the God Killer, which Phobos has um, with Hercules and Ares and all of that. And that was built to, I want to say around the same way, it was built to pretty much kill a Greek, to kill one of the um, Japanese gods. So those two are something that we're looking towards. Friends self, friends lost. Warlock is going to become a blade. We know that. So that means Doug is actually going to get some fighting because, you know, Doug is a sideliner. Doug, Doug's mutant ability is that Doug is able to decipher any language. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter anything, Doug is able to to do any language. So if it's computer language, if it's a spoken language, if it's a written language, doesn't matter if it's old, young, he just needs a second or a moment, he can pretty much decipher it. So that's pretty much what we're looking at. Um, let me see, we have 80 years, gone in seconds from a child lost comes a woman grown. Um, I don't, I don't, know that one um her only friends were weapons um that one i really haven't known either but the line that i want to talk about is the one that says once goddess once queen one sword with with which to split the sky in twain vibranium inlaid a tempest contained she is the wrath of heavens wielding a legacy i think we're finally going to get storm's blade we do know that the there's a blade in Wakanda. We have been told there's a blade in Wakanda that um, is like a short blade um, that is used and that she will be the one that will take ownership of that. We know that it will have vibranium in it. We know that she was once a goddess. We know that she was a queen. We know that she was worshipped as a goddess in Africa, I believe, Kenya. Please don't get me wrong. But I know it was in Africa. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth with her. Um, as far as the country and everything like that, but she's gone back. She's met, you know, her family's still there. She is like a grandmother. They did a weird thing with like her, um, like a couple years ago with like her clan who worshiped her because another god came and he thought he was big and bad. And she was like, um, you've been a god here for five seconds. I've been a god here for like ever. Move. <laughs> so she came back with that, but we know that she was worshiped as a goddess. She married, you crunchingly, she married Black Panther. And became a queen of Wakanda. So we do know that. Um, so we do know the fact that she she controls the heaven. We do know that they work with her power set. So pretty much she said that she was so powerful that if she say, for instance, causes a maelstrom or hurricane in Africa, she pretty much is drying a desert in Australia. Like that's how powerful she is. She creates solar storms. She has um, not only this would be her blade, but she actually has a Thor hammer that was created for her by Loki which is the Stormbreaker, Stormbringer. She's pretty much been through a lot. So I feel like 
that one is speaking about Storm, and we do know that there's an issue coming up where she will revisit Wakanda. I'm curious about that because she's going to have to have a run-in with T'Challa and Anne Shuri. So I'm wondering, they going to just hand that over to her? Like, or is she going to explain, yo, you know, I know y'all not on the back of, you know, Krakoa, but we need y'all. So I'm really curious about how that's going to go. So what we know right now, um, where we left off in this issue is that we have the first sword bearer. So we have um, the sword, excuse me, the sword bearer being um, Ilyana, Dark Child. Well, she doesn't go by Dark Child anymore, so I guess we'll just keep calling her Ilyana because she doesn't have a code name. Um, so we have her and we have her soul sword. They've been put down. What we know coming up this week is going to be, um, when I go through the list of the various issues that we have coming up, Wolverine, X-Force, and Marauders, all three of those are coming out this week. And those, I'm guessing, will either... Wolverine is supposed to tell us he's going after Muramasa Blade. So I'm guessing he knows. He knows for a fact, look, bruh, you got two swords that are running around. They can kill people who can live forever. We need you to go get these. I'm also guessing because we did get a hint that his new... Oh my God, I don't know what Marvel's doing. Solemn, who is supposed to be his new arch villain, which we will talk about when we talk about part three, parts three, four, and five, that no, Marvel can say whatever they want to say. There's only one arch villain, that's Sabretooth. You can do whatever you want with Solemn. I love the writer of Wolverine. I love him to death. And I know for a fact of what he's trying to do. Hopefully a great story comes around. We get a villain for a good amount of time. But that's not his arch villain. That's not his Loki that's not his bullseye. That's not his Joker. That's not his Thanos. That's not his Lex Luthor. That's not, you know I can go through the list of who of who Sabretooth is to Wolverine. That's not his person. Like loving to death. I'm sure Solomon's gonna be great, but you're not gonna be his arch villain. I'm sure, and I'm seeing it. You know I follow all the stuff. I'm not the only one. Um. So yeah, that's not gonna happen. Um. So that's great, all that good stuff. Um, so, I'm, so I'm just saying that this thing's going to be great. So I'm just curious about when the next parts come up, especially because if we even look at the cast, Wolverine is just Wolverine. X-Force, you're looking at Beast, you're looking at Quentin Choir, you're looking at Domino, um, possibly Colossus, um, Jean Grey. Um, I think that's Black Tom. Um, and you know, just that. So those are pretty much the people who do those things as far as X-Force, Marauders. We're looking at Pyro. We're looking at Pyro, Emma Frost, Bishop, Storm, Kitty, all of them as far as the Marauders. So I'm guessing they're going to Wakanda. So when we look at that, we can kind of guess that those are the blades that we're kind of looking at. I can't think of anybody in X-Force who would have a sword. So I'm guessing they're working on something that's going on in the island. Um, unless, you know what, I think Cy sometimes Cypher shows up. So there's a couple of things there that appear. Um, now the next couple of chapters are going to be Hellions, New Mutants, and Cable. So I'm guessing New Mutants and all of them will handle what they're handling. We'll talk about our assumptions when that time comes. But those three are the ones that are coming up on the next set of them. So again, that's three, four, and five. So I'm guessing those are the things that we're looking at. There's a lot of things that we're getting into. 
I again have my own assumptions. I don't put so much on this because Jonathan Hickman is a one of those writers. You know, when he did everything, and if you look back, his stuff has started from everything from Secret Warriors to Shield to Fantastic Four to Avengers to Time Running Out to Secret Wars. So everything kind of lined itself up. So when we started and his group, you know, Leah and um, all of them and Jonathan Hickman and everybody kind of got together in this amazing team put together from the start. They started as House of X and Powers of Ten and they showed, you know, the different spots in the future, you know, everything from Warlock to the different tarot cards and then Tarot showed up, you know, giving a couple of synopsis in her writings and things like that because I don't think she's on Krakoa right now. But when we get into what everything is going through, we see that he's kind of giving us little hints. He's info dumping us and getting us prepared for what's happening. I'm super excited because I'm I'm, I'm questioning things, which is something good when you get to Jonathan Hitman because then you can look back and see different things. Because even now, like, they gave us a name of all these blades and they gave us all these covers. And now I'm looking at things that are coming up. And I'm like, I'm super curious about what is... What, what, what are we lining up for? Um, I'm still not that great on personification of some people, like Apocalypse. Um, I'm really curious about Saturnine. Even, she's always been a curiosity for me. I picked up a couple of Excaliburs back in the day when Rachel was on the team, when Kitty was on the team, um, Pete Wisdom, all of that. So I'm curious how that plays, especially because a lot of what Excalibur, a lot of what Excalibur, X-Force, and X-Men were doing goes into this a lot we're not seeing a lot of what like hellions and marauders and all that are doing i feel like they're following course they're kind of jumping in and their stuff is kind of being put on hold for right now because i don't see kitty using this to stab shaw or anything with like my boy shinobi but i see that it's moving into that we'll probably handle that after but i see everything that we set up with x-force um x-factor kind of because you know the politics are there because you know like you see it that group is basically based on who's going to get brought back and in what order and making sure that their bodies are there. I mean, at this point, you send one person from X-Factor with every single mission. They could just confirm, this person died, this person died, this person died, bring him back. Um, so, you know, pretty much they're there, but we won't get pretty much like the Hellions and all that. We'll pretty much get these. So we see that Saturday is doing some stuff. So I want to learn a little bit more about her, what her big game plan is. We didn't get any information on S.W.O.R.D., so we know that they repowered Sword. We know that's there. We we didn't see Apoc we didn't see Cyclops. We didn't see Cable. Um, and I don't think we saw Gene. So as far as we know, they're probably still in that ship. So X-Men, when it comes in, um, X-Men or X-Force, X-Force may be doing that. X-Force, we may get a handle on what they're doing on the space station. So we may look at what's going on with sword and getting that back in line because that has to be done by december and this shows um the timeline that we have for the last issue runs until october 28th so december we don't have any december list or anything for like november coming so i'm guessing that will happen i'm hoping um so that'll be a really good thing so i'm wondering questioning what you guys think because if you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking and we're on the same page, that is awesome. There's so many of the people that are talking about this. I mean, everything from Comic Pop to like the um, Krakoa, you know, minutes that I listen to. 
um, which I'll always link because I think they do a great breakdown throughout the week. Um, just talking about like the various things that happen on Krakoa and the assumptions and they break down the mysteries and the riddles and the, the different clues and all of that. So anything that you guys need, jump on that, listen to them. They've been doing a great job. Like I said, I only have whatever assumptions that I have. I'm going to be breaking down every single little sets of issues that come out, breaking down the story. I'm super excited. Like I said, I love the fact that they've, they're doing a little bit of a twist on what they would do with telepathy because instead of her adding what's going on and adding the prophecy to her mind, she added to the electro to the electromagnetic spectrum. So that way, even if a telepath did look inside of the mind of Polaris, you couldn't figure it out. You're like, oh. And, you know, she tries to figure out through her mind. So it's literally through the geo spectrum, magnetic spectrum, I guess, or whatever you want to say. I'm probably saying something wrong. But it's in that way. So in that way, only someone of magnetic abilities or someone who can manipulate electricity or something like that can attach to her mind. So I really do enjoy that. So if you have anything you want to say, any questions, do you have any theories? I really want to talk to some people about this. So if you have any theories, hit me up, westborneeastbred at gmail.com. Or you can tweet me at Kyle and just let me know. Give me the assumptions you got. Let me know anything. If I got something wrong and you guys see it and you guys really want to break down and talk about it, let me know because I'm really super excited about this. It's a story that I think is going to ever expand. I can't wait to see what after this because like I said, there's so many things. I mean, you have death. Not everybody wants to die or not everybody sees death as lightly as Xavier does because you saw that with Storm and her giant size. Now you see this with Emma being upset that, you know, Rock Slide is gone. Um, we see that, you know, we're more, you know, they're very flippant with the way that procedures work. Cause when Polaris brings up, is there a president or protocols for when they die in battle? We don't have that. So we see they're taking light. We see the part of the mental abilities. We see the part of how the worlds connect. Cause we're getting, we got to the tidbit so far on two of the different, two of the opposing worlds, which is the Fae and Roma. Those two worlds that are very different. One, um, Faye by Merlin, Roma by Lady Roma. So we see all those who are getting the gist of what's going on. Betting by the next couple of issues, we'll already, we'll know who the Ten Kingdoms are. We'll kind of know their placement. We may not know their rulers. Who knows? I'm super excited because I would love to see Avalon. I'm praying. Praying Avalon has a connection to like Excalibur, has a connection to maybe Oberon in Titania. Who knows? We see fairies. Who knows what will happen? I mean, this is kind of exciting because we haven't really gotten medieval things within the X-Men world, even though they are highly connected. If you look into their history, they're highly connected to Norse mythology because we have a Valkyrie on the New Mutants through Danny Moonstar, and they've been very mixed into when Alan Moore created, um, you know, European Excalibur and things like that, and he went through that. They were very much connected to Avalon and all of that. So bringing that in and bringing in, you know, knights and all of that, we could literally get, I mean, honestly, if they want me to get into it, I have been literally thinking about the fact that you could literally incorporate the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur so easily within the Captain Britain and X-Men worlds because of the way they combine. Because we have Faze, we have Merlin, we have, you know, Saturnine and Otherworld, we have London, we have Britain, we have all this, we have the MI-13. We have all these things that have been incorporated to the X-Men world. So I'm super excited. Hopefully you are. Hopefully we can talk about it. Hopefully we can get down. We can get dirty. We can get into all this. So let me know. 
jot it down, send it over. Let's go back and forth. Let's talk about this right, wrong. We all just can have an open dialogue and really get into this. So thank you so much. Again, email me, westborneeastbred at gmail.com. Paul Kyle, check us out. Also remember to check out last week's, um, check out last issue, excuse me, last episode. Wow, I'm saying last issue. I'm just thinking about comics all day. Check out last episode of the podcast of our regular of our regular show, which talks about our love for horror and Halloween. And check out our upcoming show. We're going to talk about everything from our favorite manga and our favorite anime. We're going to break down horror as it encompasses into our otaku side. And we talk about everything from Hell Girl. We talk about everything, you know, from our scariest, from the return of Higurashi to all of that. So it'll be great, amazing. I can't wait to sit down and talk to you. So thank you so much for hanging out. You guys have a great day and come back so we can talk about more. Yeah.